Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. There's no more important book, and this is objective, whether you believe it or not, and I, I think generally speaking, we believe the Bible in this room, but whether people believe it or not, uh, this, this book stands undaunted. It stands the test of time, and it contains within it the, the message of where we came from, where we are, who we are, how we are, and, and where we can be. And the destiny is it's, it's one of two places. It's with the Lord forever in glory or without the Lord in hell, which is a tough message, but It'd be, uh, it'd be uh, uh, criminal not to, not to talk of it, because it's, it's very real. And, uh, but we're talking about victory today. It's just awesome, awesome victory. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 27. And we won't have a long sermon today, so we're going to start by reading Matthew chapter 27, 28 in the book of Acts responsively. <laughs> You'll be out of here, really, no later than 4, 415. <laughs> This may be the shortest sermon you ever heard. <laughs> See, I, if I say that enough, you know, I'm not really lying. You know that that's not true. But, uh, but it won't be a long one. I don't, I don't bring long ones. But, but it's a great message. And, uh, and I'm so thankful. You know, the best thing you could ever do with the Bible is to personalize it. Best thing you could ever do. Don't read it like it's somebody else's book. When I got saved, I remember just before I got saved, I was religious, I believed in God, and went to church, that kind of thing, and this whole idea of getting saved sounded like, well, I think I'm there, I don't know, it just sounds kind of like, it's like a radio station, nobody listens to radio anymore, right? For those of you who are more than 30, and I don't know if there's anybody in this room over 30, but there used to be a day when you turn on the radio, a little bit of static, and you have to slap the side of the radio and, and clarify it a little bit, and so I, I found that, I, I can remember reading the Bible before I got saved, I'm like, I think I get it. I mean, the grammar, I could read English, and I was college age, so I could understand a few things, but I just felt like I was reading somebody else's mail. Then after I got saved, I'm telling you, it was amazing. And I'm not a super experiential person, but after I got saved and reading the Bible, I just, I don't claim to appropriate and understand everything all at once, because you don't, but I, I just felt like I'm reading my Bible now, and it just made all the difference in the world. Before I get started, I do want to mention one prayer request. Pray for uh, Karen Houghton. She's got a uh, procedure coming up, and uh, so important. Pray for her. Uh, some things developing, and there's other things we could pray for, too, but I did want to mention that uh, today on this, uh, on this Easter Sunday. So, uh, so we're talking about the victory. Amazing. The victory. Jesus Christ raising from the dead. We're going to start Matthew chapter 27. We're going to start in verse 54. We're going to read to the end of the chapter, and uh, we're going to cover into chapter 28 before we're done. But Matthew chapter 27, starting verse 54, we're picking up at the end of the crucifixion. And it says, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. And many women were there, beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among, what, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. When the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. 
He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, After three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest the disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, uh, Ye have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we are thankful for this uh, Resurrection Sunday. Lord, it's, uh, it's a truth that we celebrate regularly throughout the year. It's certainly not limited to our appreciation and commemoration on this but one Sunday, but it is a very special day. It's a day in which much of the world... Uh, stops and, and considers this great important truth of the resurrection of the Son of God, fulfillment of the gospel on this resurrection day. Lord, we live in commemoration of it. We experience the, the, the blessings of it. And Lord, we know that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that if we repent and trust Christ as Savior, you give unto us eternal life. We don't have to fear death. We know that our, we have a home that's secure for us in heaven with Christ Jesus. Father, we pray that you, that you would help us to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to honor him today. We want to give him glory. And Lord, we pray that you'd have freedom to work in each one of our hearts and in our minds. We just, we just want to worship you. We want to learn from your word and, and, and be recipients of the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, if there be anybody here today that have not yet trusted Christ, have not yet repented of their sin. Father, we pray that help them to understand that there is a way of forgiveness and a salvation that's free, and it is secure forever. Lord, we ask you to bless this time together, and we thank you so much for the great truth you've given to us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So it's official. It's the victory. It's just amazing. And so this, the passage we read is really the first point, the hush at the separation. Amazing. I, I've read through the Gospels. You've read through the Gospels. You've, I think most of us are pretty familiar with, with the, the, the crucifixion and the story of the resurrection. And it's, it, it was gut-wrenching. It was absolutely gut-wrenching for the people that were there. We've all had experiences that have just taken the wind out of our sails. It's like getting you know, punched in the stomach and you just don't know what to do. And, and what is going on here? Just stunned with the severity of, of what happened. This is where the disciples were. They were devastated. It was just, it was just uh, the night before. They had the Lord's Supper. They had the Passover meal. And, and now here he is. He's, he's on the cross. And, and the disciples are scattered. They're scared. Some, Peter, had, Peter had denied the Lord three times. Three times. Jesus said at the Last Supper, uh, he said, one of you will betray me. And Peter said, not me. I can, I can empathize with Peter. I'm not, hopefully we're not all like Peter, but I can empathize with him saying, I won't, Lord. He even said, I'll follow you to death. Jesus said, not, not so. 
before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Can you imagine saying that to Peter? I picture Peter as kind of a strong-willed person, predetermined, pretty predetermined what he does, very deliberate, a leader of men, and, you know, pretty strong, physically strong as a fisherman and just mentally determined. Any kind of person is not going to be shaken very easily. And Jesus just looked him in the eyes and said, that's not so. You're going to deny me three times. And then he did. And then as after the third denial, their, their eyes meet. And he looked at Jesus. Jesus looked at him. And he, the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. He's devastated. Thomas is devastated. The other apostles are devastated. The women, it's interesting here, it says in verse, um, we start in verse 54. It says in, um, in verse 55, many women were there beholding afar off, which followed him, Jesus. And so names of people that were there. They were following afar off because they crucified these, these criminals naked. It was incredibly brutal, the suffering that Jesus went through. And then this humiliation. His humiliation was absolutely unsurpassed. He was the son of God. He was God incarnate in the flesh. And the, the beatings that he received, the, the Roman men pummeling him, ripping his, ripping his beard out. And then the, 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 the stripes that he received, I, I think it was supernaturally even made it to the cross, uh, the beatings that he took. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 52 and 53, very well-read passages, um, it talks about his visage, his appearance was marred more than any man. And it's just, he was just so, so badly beaten. And at any moment, he could have said, you know what, that's, I'm done. Now, he had the power to do it. His submission to the, the will of the Father made him not do it. He's impeccable, he can't sin. But he had the power to say, that's it. I'm not putting up with this anymore. But he did. And, uh, you know, like that song. Brother, by the way, Brother Mike, excellent choice of songs today. You know, I, I learned what the songs are typically when we sing them. And, uh, and that was a great choice of a song. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Anyway, so th these people are devastated. There, there's a hush. A hush what's going on here. Because they're like, you know, there's no singing. There's no rejoicing. They're not running around with full expectation. Like you and I, now we would be somber. I mean, this is overwhelmingly serious. The Son of God dying on the cross. But we have the hope of hindsight. We can see it. We can say everything turned out okay. They didn't even have that. They're still waiting on a promise. And everything, according to their senses, said this is not turning out well. There's a hush at the separation. There's no, there's no holding hands. There's no singing. There's no, oh, don't worry about it. In three days, you're going to be risen. Now, they're hoping this, maybe. But there's no demonstration of it. These verses are, are very, very compelling. The, the ladies were staring afar, afar off. But then there comes up this Joseph of Arimathea. And, uh, you know, where were the disciples? I don't know, but Joseph of Arimathea, wonderfully, he had this place carved out in history where he could come and he begged the body of Jesus. But that was risky stuff right here. That was, I mean, he's the criminal. He's the one, the Pharisees hated him. Pilate, of course, condemned him because he was a weak man. Worst decision he ever made. Terrible decision. But he begged the body of Jesus and he put him in his own tomb, wrapped it in clean linen cloth, laid it in a new tomb, and, the, and, and everything's quiet. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they're over against the sepulcher. The day of his death, they take him down and they put him in a sepulcher. Mary and the other Mary are there and they're, they're stunned. It's, there's a hush. There's, you, you got punched in the stomach. And what can you do? There's no answers. 
He's in the tomb, the one you saw him raise the dead. You saw him give sight to the blind. You saw him cure the leper. You, you heard him preach. You heard him teach. Everything he did was, was pure and perfect and holy and good. He said, oh, you heard before that love your friends and hate your enemies. He said, but that's not what I say. From now on, pray for them that, that hate you and despitefully use you and curse you. The whole tenor change. And this is the one, the pure, perfect one, that never anyone ever heard him do anything wrong because he never did. Now he's beaten beyond recognition, suffered incredible humiliation, and now he's in the tomb. And then what's amazing is I, I love the, 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 the severity by which uh, Pilate and the Romans approach it. They, they said in verse 62, the next day that followed, the day of preparation, Verse 63, sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. He, he absolutely said it. He absolutely said it. I don't know what the disciples were thinking. There's not a lot of commentary on it. My opinion is, I think they had, I hope it's true. I hope it's true. Nothing that I see matches up to what I hope is true. This is really, really bad. This is worth, he did talk about it, and so we're not surprised, but they couldn't stop it. It's, I, I think that they were hoping against hope. I think it was in their hearts, but, but man, they need to see something happen. Verse 64, command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest the disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, oh, he's risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, you have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. Do your best. He didn't say, oh, send somebody up to check three times a night. Set it as sure as you can, as sure as is possible. So they went and made the sepulchre absolutely sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So there was a hush. This is amazing. It's just a, a devastating blow. It, it shocked anybody's sensibilities. Even if you were standing there with 100% confidence, in three days he's coming out. My opinion is, I don't know if anybody had that 100% confidence. But even if you had 100% confidence and three days is coming out, you never saw anything like just happen. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the entire world would blanket in darkness for three hours. Amazing. There was a, a first century uh, a, a Christian apologist named Tertullian who, in defending the Christian faith, said against some of the opposers, he said, he cited the, the darkness. He said, which darkness is recorded in your annals to this day? There was an earthquake, the graves opened. I mean, a lot of things happened. The veil in the temple, right down the hill, was ripped in half from top to bottom at the time of his crucifixion. So, and again, I, I said it before, but I can just imagine the priest, the one assenting to his death, coming out of the temple, saying to the crowd, because it's Passover time, the place is packed, packed. And of course, you have the, this commotion from the crucifixion, the crowd's there, and he comes out and he says, you won't believe what just happened in there. People come down from the hill saying, you won't believe what just happened up there. God absolutely confirmed what was going on. It was amazing. There's a hush, and then next we see a shock at the possibility. Verses 1 through 8 of chapter 28 says, again, he's, he, he's dead and he's in the tomb. There's Romans all over the place. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, 
For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. This is shocking. You come, again, you have this hope within you. Three days, three days, three days. And so they're going to the tomb. Now what you don't see is all the disciples coming together with singing and rejoicing and can't wait to get to the open tomb. They weren't there. Why? I think they were doubting. I think they, they, they were overwhelmed by the circumstance. They couldn't stand up against the Romans and Pilate and Herod and the guards and all this kind of stuff. They couldn't stand. They were just not possible. And I, th I think they were just doubting. They weren't all there. Who do you have, Mary and the other Mary? And they went up there, and they saw what was going on. And it, the, the shock of what they saw was amazing. They didn't see Jesus at this time. I'm not going to bring in all the different Gospels. There's a wonderful little, uh, wonderful compilation of all the details. Not one Gospel contains all of them, but we're going to follow Matthew today. But they get to the tomb. He's not there. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. If you don't put yourself in Mary's shoes, put yourself in the other Mary's shoes. You got to the tomb. You loved him. You heard what he said. You knew he was of God. And by the way, I don't think any of the disciples understood in fullness who he was until after his resurrection. But you knew what was said. You had this hope that maybe it's true. Then you get to the tomb, and you see an angel whose raiment is like lightning, so bright and white. And he says, he's not here. What would you, well, I would, I would, I'm glad there'd be somebody else with me, because I'm thinking, I'm hearing things. This is, he's not here? This is, this is really unbelievable, but it's believable. He's not here. The shock was amazing. And, this, and the angel said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. And what's amazing, too, is he says in, um, in verse 7, so come see the place where the Lord lay. I would like that personally. I, I'm, I'm a, I like to see things. I like to hear things. That's why I'm a, I consider myself a pretty practical person. I hope that we're all people of faith, Absolutely. But the, the consistency, the integrity of what the Bible says, you don't need a lot of faith to believe it. Because it's just so much that was said historically, prophetically, scientifically. It's just, it's, it's amazing, the content of the Bible. So here they are, and they're at the tomb. It's, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. I would like to see that. I would, I would love to see that. And then he says, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. It's not like, oh, you won't see him anymore. Just take my word for it. He says, go tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lord, I have told you. Are you serious? I'm going to see him? Is that what you just said? I'm going to see him? What'd they do? They departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear 
understandably, in great joy, completely understandably, and did run to bring his disciples' word. The hush, they were overwhelmed at the circumstance brought to this point, and then they see the angel, there's a shock at the possibility, you mean this is really true? And, and their, their faith in what he said, what Jesus was talking about, his resurrection, destroyed the temple, uh, raised up in three days, of course he's talking about the temple of his body, now you heard the angel say it, the tomb really is empty, the guards became his dead men. And, oh, and by the way, then they had to go back and, and they said, uh, let's make up a story that the disciples came and took their body. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So Roman soldiers, armed, well-trained, a whole bunch of you with spears, and a few of Jesus' disciples overcame you, right? That's, it's just absurd. But the shock of the, uh, just, you heard, you knew what Jesus said. You had this hope in your heart that maybe it's true. And then you see the angel, it's overwhelming. Verses 9 and 10, chapter 28. I want us to try, at least in part, to put ourselves in their shoes when they see Jesus. Because the last time they saw him, it was horrible. You'll love him. He's a son of God. He's a savior. And again, I think their understanding was confirmed and fulfilled after his resurrection. But you see him, and he doesn't deserve this. No one deserves this. It's a mock trial. They broke all kinds of rules in the trial, and Ananias and Caiaphas, and then Herod, that wicked guy, and that weakling Pilate, go through this whole thing, and the Son of God is treated so, so horrifically, so terribly, and then, you, then now you, you see the angel, and now the joy is absolutely unbelievable. In Matthew 28, verses 9 and 10, it says, And as they went to tell his disciples, <laughs> behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren they go into, that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. So Mary and Mary. Mary Magdalene. Isn't that amazing? Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. The lady that a lot of religious people would have said, stay away from that type of person. Bad, bad person. Good religious people, we don't fraternize with that type. Who was the first one to see the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ? Mary. And others. But just tell us about the redeeming quality of, of God's relationship with, with his creation. That's us. But it says, so the angel said, Go quickly, and they went to tell the disciples, Jesus meets them, joy at the reunion. Amazing joy, overwhelming joy, the, the ecstatic response. The other disciples, Peter, James, John, all of it, they're not there. They didn't see him yet. Jesus said, go tell them, they'll see me soon. What, what a moment that must have been. The last time they saw Jesus, again, his visage was marred more than the sons of men. He was just terribly, terribly, brutally treated crown of thorns, the whipping, the beatings, the spear, everything. He was horrible. But now they see him, and the only marks of that are the holes in his hand, the hole in his side. And he did that as a testimony to eventually doubting Thomas, and that's another sermon. But when they see him, it's like he's, he's made new. His body, it's it's not the way that it was. It's completely made new. My friends, the gospel truth, you've heard people say, 
That's the gospel truth. That's the gospel truth. What are you talking about? Oh, the Rams will win the Super Bowl. That's a gospel truth. Well, it might be the truth, probably not. That might be the truth, but it's not the gospel truth. The gospel truth is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. God is an equal opportunity saver. Jesus is a savior. And God wants to save everybody, regardless of our background, brought up in a Christian home, not a Christian home, regardless of where you've been involved in. Mary Magdalene was the one who saw the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. Mary Magdalene. Man, if, if, if Jesus would allow Mary Magdalene to be the, the, the viewer of all these things, well, I, I, think he can, I think he can forgive and save us. He's a wonderful Savior. And the joy at the reunion, you know, they were incredibly joyful. I can't, yeah, I try to put myself in people's shoes as they're going through different events in the Bible. You read it, and, and honestly, the more I read it, the more it just reads like that. It's just so easy to, to empathize with what the people are going through. And the, the, the women, oh my goodness, and the, the, the disciples later on, the, the two on the road to, to Emmaus, and he appears to so many. At one time, Jesus appeared to over 500 people. You know, there was no mistake. Lazarus is still walking around, risen from the dead. The people who were buried on Mount Calvary, the graves arose, and after the resurrection, they came out of the graves, went into the holy city. I mean, the, the demonstration of the power of God is absolutely unsurpassed. And these ladies and the disciples, shaken, Jesus made a promise. He said, I'm going to die. I'll be buried. I'm going to raise three, three days later from the dead. They heard it. They wanted to believe it. I think they were doubting somewhat because of the overwhelming circumstances saying it's not going to happen, but it did happen. And then when it did happen, their joy was just absolutely overflowing. You know, folks, that's what it's going to be like for us. It's going to be overflowing. Now, we don't have the experience data. We need to see the crucifixion. There's a lot of things I'd like to see. I'd like to see the Red Sea part. I hope it's recorded somewhere. I'd like to see the manna. I'd like to see the fire on the mountain. I never want to see that. I could not take the crucifixion. I'm going to take it as being true. I never, he was once smitten, the just for the unjust, so he might bring us to God. And I, I never want to see that. But I'm just so thankful that it's true. And the reunion that's going to happen when we see him is going to be absolutely overwhelming. And who's, who's it going to be overwhelming for? All those who have called upon the name of the Lord. All those who have prayed. They've been honest with themselves. God, I'm a sinner. I mean, honestly, seriously, would anyone really say I'm not a sinner? That's the most bizarre conclusion anybody could ever come to. So self-deceptive. Self, self God, I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. He rose from the dead. We celebrated today. It's confirmed through lots of extra-biblical writings. We don't need them, but the Bibles are the greatest testimony. He's, he, he rose from the dead. He's the one and only Savior. He fulfilled all the types of the sacrifice in the old testament he's a lamb slain before the foundation of the world and i want him as my savior god i need your forgiveness i want jesus christ as my savior i need that eternal life i can't make it on my own and so now it's in our court let's bow our heads for just a moment it's uh the most I think I can say the most exciting passage in Scripture. And there's a lot of them. 
there's an awful lot. But boy, the, the resurrection of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ is a pivot point upon which all of time and eternity moves. The crucifixion. The resurrection confirmed the completion of the gospel, the fulfillment of the promises. You know, some of you already knew this, but some people were expecting two messiahs. One, because he's, the, the Bible says he's going to live forever. Two, because he's going to suffer and die. How could that happen with one person? Jesus did it. He did live forever, and he did suffer and die. He did all these things. If you've never, from your heart, repented and asked God to forgive you, because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, every single one of us, no one's better than another here, but Jesus, with you on his mind, died on the cross. But you've never repented and asked him to forgive you and be your savior. Why not now? Why not make it secure on this resurrection day? You can pray. Dear God, I'm so sorry that I'm a sinner. I know it. I am a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins on the cross for me. I'm truly sorry. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And I, I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. My works won't do it. I need him. My friends, it's the most important step a person will ever make. More important, you can name any other event in life. They're all pale in comparison to the time when we receive Christ as Savior. Ask for God's forgiveness and saved by grace. It's a wonderful message. I'm so thankful that it's recorded so thoroughly in Scripture. And the word of God that has never failed, not one dotting of an I or crossing of a T will ever fail until all things are fulfilled. So now we look back with perfect sight, hindsight 2020. We see it happen and we thank him for it. We're going to stand and sing a couple verses of invitation today. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.